My favourite books of 2019. This January has been hard. The bleak midwinter rages on. I have definitely found it to be a struggle. Haven't you? It's dark, I'm tired and spend most of my day fantasising about getting back into bed. It's partly because of this that it's taken so long to get the first letter of 2020 out to you. In an ideal world, you'd be receiving these many reviews of my favourite books of 2019 on the tail end of that year. But in an ideal world, we do not live. I also sliced a fairly significant portion of my thumb off in between Christmas and New Year, whilst I was rinsing a tin can so I could flatten it for the recycling in an attempt to save the hedgehogs. I could give you more details, but it's mainly boring or gory. I will, however, share the comedy because you've survived January 2020 and therefore you deserve it. Almost instantly I began looking for a way to make this funny. First up, picture me and Amy alone for 2.5 hours, intermittently laughing to myself at my own joke that I tried to make about Leona Lewis vibes because the tin cut me open and I kept bleeding, kept, kept bleeding. Pause for laughter. Next up, at my follow-up appointment, there had been a miscommunication about what time it was and therefore the nurse had to call the on-call doctor. When we sat down to redress the wound, I said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry that I've woken you. You must be so tired. He looked confused. I haven't been sleeping. I guess I just look really tired then. Immediately my face flushed and I clutched at the embarrassing straws of what brought on my initial comment. Um, well, I actually don't have much experience of being in hospital. I'm really lucky that way. I only really know that on Grey's Anatomy, the on-call doctor is sometimes asleep in those beds and their little beeper wakes them up. I laughed in a I-hate-myself-right-now sort of way, which gave him permission to laugh too. We laughed some more when I saw a poster that encourages patients not to drink too much before an operation. Don't be thirsty. He was not familiar with the definition of thirst in the context that I was thinking, the one that made me giggle, which naturally only made me giggle harder. You mean thirsty for... Yes, I said. And he raised his eyebrows and tilted his head as if to say, every day is a school day. So the silver lining to the cloud of my minor injury was there was a little bit of hilarity in there. And I finally managed to get this letter over to you. It really energised me, revisiting my favourite books of the year, and made me excited too for all the books I'll read in the year to come. I hope this inspires some of you to read any of these wonderful books I've mentioned. Please let me know if you do. To talk about books is one of my favourite things. Maybe 2020 is the year that we can start a book club. Rachel Cusk, Outline, Transit, Kudos. I basically inhaled this trilogy. The sharp, insightful writing is easy to consume, but I found myself reading sentences over and over, bowled over by their profundity. The book follows the narrator, Faye, meeting many different people over the course of three books, and in conversation with them, dissects so much of the complexity of human experience, what it means to be a person in the world. The writing is concise and cutting. I absolutely loved it, and I've returned to the folded pages, of which there were many, repeatedly. The books give you so much to think about on every page. I don't know if it's something that's to everyone's taste, but if you flick through a few pages, you would quite quickly know if it was to your liking. And if it's up your street, 
I have no doubt you will love it. Zadie Smith, Grand Union. Undoubtedly my favourite novelist and writer, it comes as no surprise that Zadie's first short story collection features in one of my favourite books of the year. I haven't read it cover to cover. I dip in and out to allow the stories to really sink in and give myself time to ponder them. She does a magical job of creating a whole world in a few pages. A wonder, as ever. As I haven't even finished the collection completely, I won't say anything more, other than the writing really does speak for itself. I have no problem recommending it, even halfway through. I trust in Zadie. I also would recommend her more recent essay collection, Feel Free, which is truly marvellous, a fine example of her expansive mind and critical thinking. Fascinated to Presume, in defence of fiction, is another recommendation for fans of Zadie's writing and thinking. A long read, but so worth it for lovers of all things literary. Candice Carty-Williams, Queenie. We have to stand. Candice wrote this book while working full-time in publishing? Okay, obsessed. From the first few pages, I was reading like Queenie would be my best friend. I was rooting for her, even when she was making questionable decisions, and especially when she was struggling. The novel is set in London in the modern day, and it feels so true to the city I know and love. As well as providing an accurate depiction of the trials and tribulation of modern life in your 20s. Candice is an undeniable talent. The book is addictively good, the writing fresh and easy to read. But she also weaves important issues into the narrative of Queenie's story, because they all affect her directly or systemically as a black British woman. She is navigating volatile mental health, fuckboys galore, racism, as well as work struggles and the exhausting roller coaster that is living in London as you grow into adulthood. I think this book is brilliant, important, and 100% worth reading. Diana Evans, Ordinary People. It's unfortunate that this book came out around the same time as Normal People by Sally Rooney, because it made me reluctant to pick up Diana's incredible book because of their title similarities. I'm ashamed it took me so long to get around to reading it, but I'm so glad I did. The prose is eloquent, descriptive and beautiful. The characters are complex, vivid and true. It's a modern love story set in London to a John Legend soundtrack. It's romantic and heartbreaking, exploring the nuance of love and relationships in a way that felt satisfying and honest. Ocean Vuong, On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous. If I had to pick a novel of the year, this would be it, hands down. Ocean is a marvel of the craft of writing. If you're not familiar with his poetry, it is also fantastic. Loneliness is still time spent in the world. This novel is beautiful, soft, sharp, ugly, and one of the greatest things I've ever read in my life. I know that I can be ostentatious in my loving or celebrating of something, but this book is the real deal. It's the deeply moving story, Be Prepared to Weep, of Little Dog, an Asian-American young man who is a writer and falls in love with the boy he's working with over the summer who's struggling with an addiction to OxyContin. It's written as an open letter to his mother, who will never be able to read it because she's illiterate. It ignores all the traditional rules of the novel and proves that breaking something apart can be a wonderful thing. Exploring themes like race, sexuality, family, motherhood, America and addiction, it will make you cry and laugh and feel warm and alive.
Tiare Jones, An American Marriage. A worthy winner of the 2019 Women's Prize for Fiction, it's the heart-wrenching story of a couple, Celestial and Roy, being torn apart by Roy's conviction for a rape he didn't commit. I could hardly put it down. The writing is skilled and she so easily embodies all of the characters as from chapter to chapter we switch perspectives between various important viewpoints. I began certain that I knew whose side I was on, that it would be impossible to shift me, and then I changed my mind multiple times. What a great skill in writing to make you unravel your stubbornness and really question morality. This book navigates some truly complex moral dilemmas. It's a book that made me think deeply. It doesn't make it easy for you and in that sense it feels true to real life. When are things ever as binary as we'd like them to be? Most things colour outside the lines of simple categorisation. Tiari illuminates with her writing the insanity and deep pain of wrongful conviction, which in this case also points to the institutional racism that's rife in the world and therefore present in the US justice system. And through this we see how in a multitude of ways a marriage can crumble even between two people who are, despite everything, in love. I don't want to ruin it because I hope that you read it. It's magnificent. James Baldwin, tell me how long the train's been gone. After reading Giovanni's Room the year before, and having my mind blown apart by the writing of James Baldwin, to talk about that book could be another letter in and of itself, I decided to read one of his lesser-known novels. This book is full of powerful writing, that pulls the reader into its world and leaves them thinking about it long after they finish. The story is of Leo Proudhammer, an actor who suffered a heart attack. Baldwin takes us back through his life, from his early years in Harlem to his later years as a successful actor. We learn of his love affairs with a white woman, with a black man, his far from simple love for his family, his love of theatre itself, all pivotal points on the complex path of his lifetime. Baldwin writes in an honest, unflinching way about racism and the struggles of being black in America. This is painful to read and therefore true to the reality of the experience, touching on the problems faced on a large scale and in the everyday. For Baldwin lovers, it's definitely worth reading. For people who love a novel that's intense, vivid, dark and true, with New York running through its veins, I'd recommend this too. Non-fiction. Gia Tolentino, Trick Mirror. Reflections on self-delusion. Anyone who's had a conversation with me for longer than five minutes in the past year knows I adore Gia Tolentino. I think often about why she gets it so right, and I guess it's got a lot to do with the fact that she feels like a real person, someone you'd meet at a party or be best friends with, but she also has the critical insight and intelligence to pick apart a topic and dissect why we love it, why we don't, or why it's affecting us so deeply. Reading her work can often provide me with satisfaction when she seems to perfectly capture a feeling I've definitely felt, but have never quite had the right words to communicate. Trick Mirror is a book of essays that is vital reading for anyone who has felt conflicted about the internet and social media, or has an interest in modern feminism, its successes and its shortcomings, or worries about what late capitalism is doing to us, and why it encourages our collective, often subconscious, want to optimise our time and ourselves. I'm obsessed with this book and I cannot stress this enough. You should read it. Jenny Slate, Little Weirds. I read this book late in the year and it came at a time where I really needed it. I almost felt as if I loved it too much to even begin to try and describe it. 
It's soft and tender and poetic and adventurous and curious. It made me feel like it's okay to be a human, even when you're really hurting. It stayed gentle without ignoring or undermining what horrors there are in the world, from the relatable heartbreak to the incomprehensible ecological decline and global warming to the unbearable political leaders who just don't seem to be good people and systemic power structures that aim to crush people beneath them. This book is for the vulnerable ones out there who have ever felt like they feel too much, love too hard. For you, us, this book will be a soothing balm. It will be like drinking wine in the park with your friends on a summer day when you feel most like yourself and you're acutely aware of your crazy, stupid love for your friends and that makes you feel a bit soft and scared because what if that ends someday but you don't get too involved with that thought because you're too busy having a good time. When you get near the end of the book, it will feel like the end of that summer day. When the blue sky melts to a deep purple and you don't want it to be over but you are feeling a bit tired and you know it's okay because at least you had a perfect day. And that's better than not ever getting to have one that felt so glorious, expansive and real. That's what reading this book felt like. Alexander Chi, How to Write an Autobiographical Novel If books were people, this would be one of the five people I'd meet in heaven. Even how I bought it is a story that's beautiful. I went in to gaze the word, the LGBT plus bookstore in London, and one of my favourite places in the city. When I took it to the counter, the cashier told me she had recently moved this book in the shop, and she was worried that someone who really needed it wouldn't be able to find it. I assured her I was one of them, and I didn't struggle. We talked about writing and poetry, and it was tiny, but it still felt like one of those things that was really meant to happen. This book truly changed my life, and you probably heard me rambling on about it during the summer when I read it. Alex's essays are luminous. He writes about love, his experience as a waiter in New York City, his time in San Francisco as an activist, and so much more. He writes with such skill and heart that I'd say this book should be required reading for anyone who wants to write. I actually struggled to keep it short when discussing this book because it really changed me, and I've returned to it again and again. I suspect I always will. The book is a masterpiece. Ocean Vuong is quoted on the cover as saying, This book made me feel possible. And well, I won't dare try and say it better than him.